0: The Locked On Giants podcast is brought to you in part by BlueChew.com. Visit BlueChew.com for more information and to take advantage of their special offer for Locked On Giants listeners. Enter the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get your first shipment for only $5 shipping and handling. That's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, BlueChew.com. You are locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans! Welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family. Your team every day. My name is Patricia Train. I am your co- host. And I am happy to be with you. I covered the New York Giants for a variety of places. Follow me on Twitter at PatriciaTrana. And there you can also ask me questions for our weekly mailbag or just if you want to chit chat in general, you can find me there on Twitter. So I promised you a couple of uh, more podcasts for this week. Um, thus far this week, we've done the Twitter Tuesday. We also had a uh, interview that we ran with Landon Collins, the former Giants safety, that ran on Monday. So for these last two podcasts, and starting today for this week, um, I'm going to do a state of the Giants roster. So today I'm going to do offense, and then tomorrow I'm going to cover the defense. And this kind of syncs up with um, an article I recently did for Forbes. Uh, online. So if you want to check that out, that's on uh, Forbes. You can Google my name, Patricia Trana and just type in the word Forbes and it should bring up my page. And you know, there'll be a lot more detail there. But basically, this is a state of the roster, so to speak, you know, where the Giants are in terms of their depth, where they need to be, concerns at that sort of thing. So on today's show in segment one, I'm going to cover quarterbacks and running backs. In segment two, we'll talk about the tight ends and receivers. And then we'll finish up with segment three with the offensive line. Then on tomorrow's show, we'll just do all the defensive positions, a couple of X factors, uh, touch a little bit on special teams, and then we'll call it a week for the week. Um, Coming up next week, the Giants start their OTAs. And uh, the Giants actually have a practice that will be open to the media on Monday, May 20th. So we won't have a show for you Monday per se, but I will record a show with observations. Um, I'll try and run some audio clips for you and we'll do that on Tuesday. And uh, I think next week what we'll do is we'll do our mailbag on Twitter Thursday. So that's just a quick look at what's coming up on the Locked on Giants podcast. Hope you enjoy all the content Uh, that we have planned for you. Okay, so let's jump right in to the state of the roster. And uh, we'll start off with the quarterbacks. So the big thing with the quarterbacks, from my perspective, obviously, you know, you have the addition of Daniel Jones, and there's going to be questions as to when he's going to play, and what the plan is for him. So let's start there, actually, uh, before we get to the rest of the quarterbacks there. You know, I know that last week Mike Shula was asked about Daniel Jones and, you know, whether or not he'd be, you know, in in a normal circumstance. If he didn't have Eli Manning in front of him, could Daniel Jones be ready to go opening day? And, of course, Shula, you know, what was he going to say? No, he's not going to be ready. I mean, they have no way of knowing whether or not the kid's going to be ready or how quickly he's going to come together. You know, just too soon right now in the whole process for that. But with that said you know Daniel Jones and uh, I have a uh, study by the way I di- I did a uh, article for Big Blue View in which I looked at the core uh, traits that scouts use to evaluate players but with Daniel Jones I think the biggest adjustment for him is going to be twofold number 1 in college Daniel Jones primarily went with his first read and that led to, you know, him being able to make quicker decisions. You know, it was pretty much drop back, you know, or or a lot of times he wasn't under center, but basically drop back a couple of steps and then boom, off to the first read. So one of the things he's going to really need to get used to in addition to the speed of the game at this level is he's going to have to learn to work through multiple progressions. He's going to need to learn to work under center, you know, taking the ball from center, stepping back you know whether it be a three-step five-step or seven-step drop quite different than what he did in college and then seeing the entire field I mean when you think about it just so much for a quarterback to process in a matter of you know three to five seconds and and uh you know they're seeing the field, there's anticipating um, when your receiver is going to break and get open, just a lot of details that have to go on before, you know, a, a quarterback can make a throw and become successful. So I think with Daniel Jones, you're going to see him probably get a lot of reps in the spring. He's probably going to get a lot of reps in the summer. I would imagine he's probably going to play most of the snaps in the preseason games, But I think we need to just temper our our expectations as to what exactly he's going to be able to bring to this table. Um, Good kid, a smart kid is going to do very well. But I, I would just be surprised, quite frankly, if he is indeed ready to start opening day. Not that he will start opening day. You know, as long as Eli Manning is healthy, he will be the guy. And uh, Eli Manning, speaking of which, he has lost weight, actually. I mean, there were some videos posted of Eli Manning on the Giants.com website. And Eli looks trimmer. He looks sleeker. And all that is going to help him with moving around with recovery and all that stuff. Um, Mike Shula last week spoke about Eli Manning and how he just looks like, you know, he's in top condition. And that's really going to be key because, you know, look quarterbacks if you think about it they have to throw the ball anywhere from 35 upwards times a game and that's a lot of wear and tear on on the shoulder and the older one gets obviously the longer it takes for you to recover Eli Manning has mastered the art of recovery and uh, he's just done a really good job with that and uh, has somehow found a way to keep himself fairly youthful Now, what's going to be interesting with Eli Manning is that now they are in year two of this offense. So Eli now has a better offensive line in front of him, which we'll talk about in segment three of this show. Eli's got a different type of receiving core, you know, without Odell Beckham Jr. We'll talk about that in the next segment. But what's going to be really interesting is how they deploy Saquon Barkley. Now, last year, we talked about um, how Saquon Barkley was used in space and how no linebacker could cover him. And the Giants did not really do that a whole lot with Saquon Barkley last year, for whatever the reasons. They moved They moved away from that. And that's something that they're going to get back to, I think, this year. Um, in terms of, you know, just sticking with Manning for a moment, the biggest thing, I think, for him is going to be the mobility factor now what's interesting is is with daniel jones daniel jones can move around and i'm not just talking you know in the pocket to avoid pressure the kid can move east west at north to south and i gotta believe that you know if there's if they're going to put in um you know have daniel jones learn from eli manning we might see a few of those plays actually show up in the playbook it'll be interesting to see if the giants take advantage of the sleeker uh, supposedly quicker Eli Manning, and maybe have him do a few of those those particular plays. Um, I don't think that would necessarily be his strength, but you know, stranger things have happened. So we'll see how that all plays out. And then finally, I get a lot of questions about what's going to happen at backup quarterback. Uh, right now, in the springtime, Daniel Jones will be number three on the depth chart. Um, Kyle Laletta is, from what I understand, not ready. I think that was reported uh, already on Twitter. He had a minor offseason season knee proce- procedure, so he's not been cleared yet to work. And that really doesn't bode well from, for Laletta. Now, look, I get it. You know, you have to take care of injuries. You have to get them fixed. But when you were on the cusp to begin with, The last thing you you can have or you can afford to do is miss time during the spring, especially, you know, when the offense is supposedly evolving to the next level in this year, too. So it's early, but um, it's going to be interesting because the Giants brought in this kid, um, Eric Dungy from Syracuse. I think he's if he makes the roster, he's going to probably more be more of that Taysom Hill type of, of uh, player. You know, I, it remains to be seen if they are going to be able to accommodate a roster spot for him. Um, you know, that might be a luxury pick, but we'll see. But uh, I think if you were to ask me right now how I see the quarterback situation playing out, Eli is going to be the starter for as long as that team is competitive. I think his backup, his primary backup in the beginning will be um, Alex Tanney until Daniel Jones advances a little bit more. And then you might see, you know, Jones jump ahead of uh, Tanney on the depth chart. And I'm just curious to see if they can fit Dungy onto the roster, you know, in that Taysom Hill type of role. Um, that might be a luxury, you know. It's, it's going to depend on the injury situation. So we will see if that uh, if they're able to fit him in. All right, now let's talk about running backs now. You know, Saquon Barkley, he's going to be the guy again. But, you know, if the if there was one thing that the NFL learned last year from the Rams is that you've got to have two solid running backs. You know, the Rams last year with, with Todd Gurley having some injury issues, you know, they, they, they had C.J. Anderson and they didn't really miss a beat. The Giants... Have candidates who could potentially be, you know, the the Robin to to Saquon Barkley's Batman. However, they need them to step up. They need one of those guys to step up. Now, I am impartial. I I kind of like Wayne Gallman for that uh, role. I think Wayne Gallman is very underrated. I think he can he can handle all that um, and and do just fine. But he's going to have some competition. The Giants signed former Cowboys running back Rod Smith. Who, by the way, had a really good game against the Giants last year, in that Week Seventeen game when Dallas rested all their starters, and you know when I saw that, folks, I got to be honest with you, I had shades of uh, I had memories of of the Giants signing Rashad Jennings, who had a really good game against them, and uh, you know when he was with Oakland, and not that you know Rashad Jennings was a bad player for them. I mean he wasn't, but. To me, to, to if that's the only reason why you're signing a guy, because he you know had a really good game against you, that to me is not a good enough reason to bring a guy onto the roster. So what I'm curious to see is whether or not the Giants go with Gallman as the primary backup to Saquon Barkley, or if they go with Smith. Or maybe the plan is going to be they're going to divide that backup duties to where maybe, for example, Smith will handle... You know, the short yardage and the goal line stuff. And maybe Gallman will spell Barkley on every second uh, series. Uh, Also curious to see if the Giants keep Elijah Penny, who is the fullback, on the roster. You know, Penny, I thought, played very well. But quite frankly, the one thing I've never understood with this coaching staff is they asked their tight ends to do some of the work of the fullback. And they don't really use a pure fullback, you know, uh, for a number of, of uh, snaps. So in thinking of, you know, whether or not they're going to keep, say, dungie as that Taysom H- Hill uh, role, I'm just wondering if maybe they swap those two out, maybe, you know, move on from Penny and instead bring on Taysom Hill. So uh, that's going to be something to, to watch certainly. Um, too early to tell because you know Dunshy's only worked in the in the rookie mini camp so far. He's had a couple of practices in the phase two section of the uh, of the Giants offseason program. But something I'm certainly going to be looking at as we move forward. You're listening to Logged On Giants with Patricia Trainer. We're doing the review of the Giants roster where things currently stand. We just finished up with the backfield coming up after the break. We're going to do tight ends and wide receivers, so stay with us. Welcome back to Locked On Giants segment two. You're with Patricia Trana and we are doing a state of the New York Giants roster. Today we are doing the offense, In tomorrow's show we will do the defense, so hope you continue to enjoy it. All right, so in this segment, we're going to take a look at tight ends and wide receivers. And let's start off actually with the receiver group because this is a question that I get quite a lot. And and the question is, is can the Giants passing game survive the loss or I should say the trade of Odell Beckham Jr.? And this is going to probably sound weird, but I think the Giants passing game might actually end up being better without Odell. And here's why I say that. We all can agree that Odell was a tremendous talent. He was a generational talent who could do it all. But the problem with having a player like that is when you constantly feed him the ball, it becomes a little bit easier for offenses, I'm sorry, for defenses to hone in on what you're going to do and stop you. And, you know, while to Odell's credit, you know, his thousand yard seasons were all, you know, pretty much on him and his abilities, you know, they didn't really, I guess, help the Giants win the way they wanted to. And by spreading the ball out a little bit more, now it creates more of a guessing game for the defense as to where they're going with the ball and and so forth. Um, So I just think that you remove a guy like Odell... Even though, again, he's a tremendous talent, now you leave it up to uh, to guess who's going to get the ball or who's going to be featured in that week's game plan. And if you think about it, and I know some of you are going to, you know, write to me and say, why are you comparing, making this comparison? But this is exactly what the New England Patriots do. If you look at the Patriots and how they they structure their offense and set up their game plans, Every week, it is a different player that takes center stage. It is not necessarily fed to one player. And that's something that the Giants really haven't done a whole lot of since, you know, the last couple of years or so, since Odell really, you know, since his start really took off. And, you know, it's a double-edged sword. You always want to have, you know, a receiver who can break it open, who can do everything, who can be that threat. But as we've seen... When that threat now comes out of the lineup for whatever the reason, now you have to compensate. You have to find ways to make up for that production. And I want to make it clear, I don't think that the Giants are ever going to fully replace Odell's production. But what they are going to try and do is they're going to try and spread it out amongst you know the different receivers. Golden Tate, Sterling Shepherd, Corey Coleman, Darius Slayton and so forth now speaking of uh golden tate and their um Corey coleman golden tate is interesting because a lot of people say well he's actually you know skill wise a replica of sterling shepherd and in a way that's not you know I, I don't necessarily agree with that but um even if they do have some overlap in what they do well again it gives now the quarterback an option to go in different ways, different directions. In other words, it's not always going to be, okay, he's dropping back the pass. He's going to throw to, you know, say, for example, Sterling Shepard. So sometimes that's not a bad thing. And also for injury purposes, you know, now there's not going to be that drop off, I don't think, if, God forbid, you know, Tate or Sh- or, or Shepard just can't go in there and, and do their thing. Corey Coleman is is a player that I'm very interested to see how he comes along. Now, Corey Coleman, um, you know, who started with the the uh, Cleveland Browns, just you know, he he's bounced around the league, and I thought last year when he came in, for what he was able to pick up, he actually did pretty well. Now, it's it's for those who don't know, when a player comes in mid season. It's very difficult to pick up the playbook. It's very difficult to to play at a high level. Um, you know it, it, there's there's a lot of complexities involved in the playbook in, in that you have to kind of understand the whole concept. you have to understand you know what what's going on. and you know it's also a good idea to know what what the roles of those around you are in order to help you better understand how you might adjust and so forth. So with Corey Coleman. And, He's coming in and he's he's now gonna have a full off season under his belt. And I really think, you know, if he keeps, you know, if, if he keeps the right attitude, works at it, works hard, this kid could potentially be, you know, pretty dangerous for this team. I think he could be actually the um what's the word I want? The um under the radar guy who's gonna really come up and, and surprise a lot of people with his production. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what Corey Coleman brings to the table, brings to the offense. I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised. Last guy I want to talk about uh, on the receivers is Darius Slayton, um, the draft pick. Slayton is a guy who, you know, if if you're asking him to, to run vertical routes, you know, spread the defense out a little bit, that's your guy right now. Now, what I'm concerned about with Slayton, and we kind of saw it in the rookie minicamp, are the concentration drops. I mean, at times, Slayton, you know, as I've said before on this program, just would not either get his hands all the way up to maximize his catch radius or, you know, he might, he might just go to turn and run with the ball before he secured it. I think if Slayton can clean all that up as, you know, in the coming weeks, coming months, I think the Giants are going to really have something there with him, you know, as, as far as having a, a track star, what I call a track star uh, receiver, a guy who can take off along the sidelines and really just take the top off of the defense. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings to the table. And um, as for the rest of the receiver core, pretty much the same as last year. I, I'm pretty sure, you know, you're not going to see a lot of those guys back Um, but, uh, going to be some good competition there for the, like I said, the, the fifth and if they decide to keep six, the sixth, uh, receiver's position, position. So, um, that's a battle, you know, the receiver battle is always a fun one to watch. And this year is certainly going to be no different. Now, tight ends. The big guy to keep an eye on is Evan Ingram. You know, Ingram is a guy who, if he is healthy, has shown that he could be really a, a, a threat in that offense the thing with e- Evan Ingram is that his best production has come with Odell Beckham Jr. out of the lineup so now of course with no Odell anymore it's an opportunity for Evan Ingram to really step up and and you know potentially challenge to be the leading receiver on this team now here's something though that I hope to see with Evan Ingram moving forward Last year, Ingram didn't really run a lot of receiver routes, which I thought was kind of curious considering that he has that skill set. I mean, heck, he's kind of like a big receiver if you think about it, a receiver in a tight end's body. I think this year you're going to see more of that where Ingram is being asked to do less of the inline blocking stuff and running more of those receiver routes that, you know, again, we saw in the spring, but just didn't make it over to the, to the, uh, the, uh, regular season now also interesting at this position Red Ellison now this is a guy I know in the past I, I was I've said that you know given his salary cap hit I would be surprised if he stuck around he's going to be around for this year and that's fine I mean Red Ellison's a good player he's a good receiver he's a good blocker but I think the guy to keep an eye on is going to be C.J. Conrad. This is the guy who just really caught my eye in in the rookie minicamp. This is a guy, I mean, we haven't seen him block yet, but, you know, coming from Kentucky, he worked against some good competition there, so certainly he he can, you know, block if he needs to. Um, As far as, you know, the competition, I could see this playing out where Conrad maybe pushes Scott Simonson off the roster if he has a strong camp conrad in fact is actually my sleeper pick for the upcoming camp it's just something about this kid that just i really liked when i watched him practice watched him worked out and i'm very curious to see how that all trans translates into the uh re- the preseason action where he's going to get that opportunity to block and to you know run some routes how many tight ends will the giants keep i could see them potentially keeping uh, the three, you know, Engram and Ellison are locks. Um, and then again, it's either going to be either Conrad or Simonson, I think will be uh, the number three. But again, let's see what happens where they fit Taysom, uh, Taysom Hill, Let, where they fit Eric Dungy into the equation. Dungy, again, is, is working towards that Taysom Hill type of role. And uh, again, re- some reports out of, uh, by uh, some of the beat writers say that um that dungy was actually doing some work with the tight end group in the practices leading up to the ota so we'll see we'll get our first look at him probably in the tight end with the tight ends um, when the OTAs open up on monday the first ota on monday will be open to the media and i of course will be there and we'll have all the observations and whatnot for you all right, Giant fans, you are listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Traynor. We're going to take our final break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the new and improved offensive line. So stay with us. Welcome back to Locked on Giants segment three. You're with Patricia Traynor. Really do appreciate you listening to the program. And we are in the middle of breaking down the Giants roster. Some of the highlights of where the Giants roster currently stand. And uh, this next section is going to be devoted strictly to the offensive line. I saved the best for last, so to speak, uh, for this particular program. The offensive line, as uh, everybody knows, this was the one unit that desperately desperately needed to be improved Um, you saw multiple combinations last year finally they kind of got it right towards the end of the year when they were able to better protect Eli Manning but not before that offensive line gave up 31 sacks in the first eight game matching the total that they gave up all of the previous year so um, really the when you break the numbers down even though the offensive line got better in the second half of the season, I would say other than the the week sixteen shutout loss to the Colts, where the line just was was brilliant, um, the unit still allowed once at at least one sack per game, which you know f- with a thirty something year old quarterback, that's just one sack too many. So the Giants have gone out and they have fixed that offensive line. They have completed the uh, rebuild, so to speak. The rebuild, um, you're going to have Nate Solder and Will Hernandez uh, going into their second year together. Um, Nate Solder last year played up, he played a little bit on the dings side. I think he had some injury issues that he was he was trying to work through. Will Hernandez, you know, a rookie who was trying to get his footing, you know, in the beginning, he needed a little extra help from Solder, which he got. And then as he kind of, you know, got his legs underneath him, he did just fine. Um on the right side um actually before i get to the right side it, it it's it's worth noting that for those of you who thought that Nate Solder just wasn't very good last year in addition to the injury issues that he had it's it's worth noting that he didn't allow um as many pressures total pressures as he did the year prior I think the year prior he allowed 60 with the Patriots Um, with the Giants I think that number got cut down to 34 so he did get better but you know the bottom line folks is free agents very rarely you know live up to their their contracts I mean it just that's why you overspend on them because you know you're looking for mulligans Um, so anyway I think this year Solder and Hernandez are going to be the strength of this offensive line. I, I could see the Giants running a lot more to that side and just, you know, trying to really attack from that side. Um, just just a lot to look forward to with those two, and uh, especially with Hernandez, who I think is going to have a tremendous year. I really like what he brought to the table last year, and I think he's going to just keep continue to build on that and really, you know, turn a few heads. All right, so let's talk about the right side up the offensive line now, because that was the side that needed to be upgraded. The Giants made the decision not to keep Jamon Brown, who went to Atlanta. So instead, they are plugging in Kevin Zeitler, who was Pro Football Focus's top-rated guard at right guard. Um, Zeitler, of course, obtained in the Olivier Vernon trade, which, by the way, for those of you who are anti gentleman you got to admit, you got to give Gettleman his props there that he was able to move that contract and get something in return and not just, you know, anything, but a solid player in return. That was just brilliant on, on Gettleman's part. So got to give him props for that. Um, then, of course, the Giants signed Mike Remmers. Uh, that was done earlier this week. Mike Remmers will be the right tackle and he will be um, be replacing Chad Wheeler, who, Chad Wheeler's a good guy, he works hard, he's assignments, you know, sound. The problem, I think, with Chad Wheeler is that in college, he was primarily a left tackle, and when he had to switch over to the right side, you know, a lot of people talk about how it's so easy to flip over from one side to the other, and it just, it just really isn't, because you have to have new, new uh, landmarks, you have to, just everything changes. It's like, writing with your left hand for all your life, and now all of a sudden you've got to write with your right hand, it takes some getting used to. And, you know, some guys pick it up quickly, and some guys, you know, it'll take a while. And, you know, unfortunately, Wheeler never really, you know, got to that point where he looked more comfortable on the right side. But hey, look, I give him credit because he's worked at his craft. He's added bulk, from what I understand. You know, he's done everything possible to make sure that he hangs around in the NFL. And, you know, you you can't take that away from a guy. Uh, And I think Wheeler is going to have a good opportunity to be the swing tackle. He's going to be in competition with um, Big George. He's going to be in competition with the undrafted rookie free agent um, Mike Adams is, is, I believe, the guy's name. Let me just double check. Paul Adams, I'm sorry. Paul Adams, six five three seventeen out of Mizzou. So, uh, so, so, yeah, Wheeler is going to have an opportunity to stick around. And and right now, you got to give him the advantage, you know, given his experience and whatnot. All right, so getting back to Rammers, I think the biggest question mark for me is his health. Um, you know, he underwent the, the minor procedure on his back in the off season, which we know, um, wasn't able to pass the physical until I guess, you know, recently when he was able to sign his contract. And while we like to think that, you know, that the issue is behind him, backs are very tricky. I mean, you can sneeze and pull a muscle that will lay you up for days. So my biggest concern with Remmers is that he is truly over that back situation and that he makes it through a 16 game schedule. And if he could do that then then great, you know, the Giants will be in the clear, but if he can't do that then they may very well have to go back to Wheeler or whoever does win that swing tackle position. That kind of makes me, you know, a little um I guess at a little uneasy, but look, we'll be we'll be optimistic, we'll be positive. I got to think the Giants medical staff will go slowly with Remmers because uh, he is a veteran. It's not like, you know, he has to jump right in and he has to learn from scratch like some of these rookies do. So I think they're going to take their time with him and, and I could see it, po- them possibly holding him out until till the summer training camp, you know, just to be on the safe side. A move that, by the way, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, disagree with. All right, now let's talk about Center. At center, the assumption is that Spencer Pulley, who signed the two-year contract with that I think had some guaranteed money, is going to end up as the starter. You know, he's going to retain that job. But don't count out John Halapio. Even though John Halapio signed for a lot less you know he's coming off with a broken ankle but he's making tremendous progress in his rehab you know the giants like him you know he's got the size he's got the you know the meat to play on that that position and he certainly has the intelligence now pulley from what i understand has added bulk himself so you know if we're talking about size pulley is supposedly gotten bigger and stronger after you know spending the offseason in the weight room so i think there's going to be a competition there i don't know that spencer Pulley is necessarily going to be the you know be the long-term guy um you would think so with the contract but then again remember last year the giants paid something similar to brett jones you know on the restricted free agent tag and they ended up trading away jones to a team in need so who knows? Maybe, you know, if Jalapeo wins the job and, um, you know, they feel that Evan Brown is ready to go or, or maybe one of these other young centers that they have on the roster. You know, maybe they look to trade Spencer Pulley to another team. You know, Spencer Pulley is still kind of young and would certainly, you know, help a team somewhere, and you know, in some way, shape or form. So that would be um you know, something to keep an eye on, I think. You know, I I think if you're talking about battles in training camp, the center one, the the battle at center on the offensive line is certainly one to keep an eye on moving forward. All right, Jane fans, that wraps up today's show in which we covered the offensive side of the ball. Tune in tomorrow. I'll have some thoughts on the state of the defensive side of the ball, where the roster stands currently in its 90-man format. Appreciate you listening and I look forward to hearing from you again soon.